The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday. Happy 4th of July. Hope you guys are doing well, staying healthy, thriving and surviving in this unique season. I think this is the first time I'm cutting a pod on this holiday and certainly got Galatians 6.1 on my mind. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So I hope that in all that you say and do today, you're basking in that glorious reality. For today, I'm coming back to a post I wrote on February 1st, 2020. And I had started this post. This uh, It's a part two to a part one. And it's called The Roadless Traveled, Four Convictions for 2020. I split up the four convictions into pairs of two. And five months ago, I uh, did a pod on the first two. Started writing about the next two in early April, about three months ago. And then the heart of quarantine happened. And new ideas, new content emerged. And that part two got pushed to the back burner. Finally having time on this extended weekend to return to it. And so I just want to talk about some the, the last two convictions I have for this year. And while most of them were written, again, several months ago, early in the year, you know, much has changed, to be honest, and they still apply in many ways, even though certain narratives have improved since I started writing these. So... Again, I apologize for the delay. I know you guys don't hold it against me, but if you are a loyal listener, you've probably been wondering where this was, when this was going to debut, and the time is now. So without further ado, let's just jump in. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the glorious sunshine, for our health, and just the fact that if we're hearing this, we're alive and well, the Spirit lives within us, that you are the Lord of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that we have everything we need for goodness and godliness, that you are peace and our rest, you are our freedom, and we remember the cross in light of today. It is certainly a great day to be an American and certainly okay to um, to wear our patriotic pride, but we know that it all comes back to you and that we are here all because of what you have said and what you have appointed and we thank you that we are anointed and we're called and we have a purpose and we desire to be illuminated by your spirit the next 10, 15 minutes. Be the center of the core of all that is said and done today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to link part one, the first sentence of this post. Uh, like all my pods, they're at the very top of each blog post that I put out. I shouldn't say every post, but 80-90% of my blog posts now have a pod at the very top. And so that first line, I'll make sure to link, so make sure to click it. If you uh, are jumping in at part two, make sure to check back at part one. I'm not going to allude to part one since it's completely separate and, again, five months removed. But I'm going to start with point number three, the third conviction for 2020. Know you are known is the title of the point. So one of my biggest vices one of my biggest weaknesses is wanting to be understood. The thought that if people just gave me time, be it quality time, time to speak, 
or time to adjust. They like what they see. And to a large extent, that's true. However, as I've recently rediscovered, there are problems with this mindset if we allow it to consume us. And I've certainly let it consume me time and time again. Although right now I feel like I'm on top of it because like many convictions, you pray through it, you bring it to God, you surrender, and He helps. He is faithful to strengthen you. But the problem with this mindset is if we cater to it, it sets unfair expectations, it fuels our ego, and it fixes our sense of identity on satisfied love languages. I know that's a lot of words, and I don't really break that series down in the post. That's why I pause, so we can expound upon it here. If we're captive to the idea that people just don't get us, that they won't ever understand us, they're not given, that they won't give us the time to be understood, we're ultimately going to deprive us of some of the rich joys God's intended for us through relationships. I know for me, I tend to be rather cynical. I'm not shy about that fact. Before I self-preserve, before I withdraw and isolate, a lot of times I cater to cynical thoughts. Even with people in my life and things are going well, there's positive momentum, there's been an exchange of encouragement and it's ongoing like a thread. In the back of my mind, it's like I'm waiting for the ax to fall. Something's gonna happen, I'm gonna do something stupid, something's gonna happen that's not my fault, but maybe the person involved is gonna think it's my fault, they're gonna hear something behind my back. And we start to project, we start to anticipate rejection before it even happens, we have that substitution of insecurity with rejection that hasn't even verified. And it's like Jonah being on the boat, but instead of other people throwing us off, we throw ourselves off. We'd rather be in the belly of a whale just knowing that, hey, I'm at least by myself and I'm, you know, there's nothing I can do <laughs> about this self-imposed quarantine. At least I'm not with people. I'm not in the presence of them hurting me them shutting me down or shutting me or pushing me out even. And I just really want to get over that fear, that insecurity. I really want to triumph over it. It is a daily battle and a daily struggle. And some days I feel like I'm standing tall on it, Christ in me as my strength, feeling really anchored to him and sensing like, okay, I'm triumphing over this. And other times I feel like I'm buried. I am not out of the woods. I am knee-deep, waist-deep in this mud, and I could have totally avoided it had I allowed God to go ahead of me. But that whole concept of people not giving us time, quality time, time to speak, time to improve, time to reconcile, whatever it may be, there's a lot of different add-ons you could put to, you know, people giving us the time to, etc. If that is an idol in our life, then we become like this demigod where it's all about self-satisfaction and people, you know, our identity is rooted in them knowing us and being able to act on knowing us and being able to affirm or recognize, acknowledge, kind of soothe that ego. And I feel like with ego, we kind of have a concept of what it is, but we don't really know in full how it manifests internally 
um, when we get into the nitty-gritty of our emotions. Stealthy narcissism at its finest, the desire to be known is so self-absorbing, it almost always offsets the possibility of being realized. Even if the manufactured attempts aren't proving futile, they're generally emitting a toxic pride, and that can be a blockade when it comes to our interactions with people. Pride has a fragrance. And sometimes people can't put their finger on it, but you know, sometimes we wonder what's, you know, what's this invisible barrier that I can't seem to figure out and conquer. And while I'm not saying we get overwhelmed with, you know, that part of the unseen, I do think it's not it's it's never a bad thing to take inventory of where the self is, you know, where you're being self-centered, where the ego is starting to invade your thought life and your behaviors, your actions. You know, what is absorbing you? What is consuming you? It's always good to ask that question when you feel you're not connecting or when you're outside of a good thing. As simple as it sounds, one of the best ways we invest in others is to not preemptively burden them with a want to be understood. A little bit of a theme here, just anticipating what other people are going to say and do, and I really don't believe that we should cater in any way to that type of anxiety. And really, any anxiety, any fear, you know, it's oftentimes rooted in self and thus something that is unholy. But take it from one who has failed time and time again in this area. If there's ever a way to trust God is more than enough, it's through our loved by God identity and our love one another commission. Those working in tandem, it's a beautiful thing. Don't ever put yourself behind the eight ball and fear others will place you there first. Instead, release all fears and anxieties before they take root, knowing the fact the maker of ways will help people understand what they need to do at the right time. God is not going to abandon you. And for a lot of you listening to this, he wants you to know he's all you need. And I know we grow up in children's church, youth group, college ministry and beyond, you know, we, we start to plug in to the body and we start to use our gifts. We start to walk in our purpose and calling. I, I know we hear this a lot, but we have to know that God is going to set us up to bear fruit and to inspire to have that influence, to engage, to pour into people's lives. He's not going to isolate us the way we isolate. He's not going to withdraw us the way we withdraw. He's going to make sure that we have what we need for goodness and godliness, and people can't be separated from that process. So what I'm saying is trust God that he's going to put the right people in your life, don't put the ball in your hands. Don't aspire for control that belongs to God and God alone. Sometimes we just have to stop and rest and know that we are known. If you are overwhelmed by thoughts of people not getting you, understanding you, I know this is coming from someone who is a four on the Enneagram. I am very classic four. I wing three, I wing five oftentimes, but four is my home base. So it's probably, if any, any of you out there know the Enneagram, you're probably like, wow, this is a very four point. I, I get it. Uh, but to me, freedom just rushes through when I 
surrender, when I pray and verbalize, just hear myself say, God, I surrender the desire. I release the entitlement of being known by others because that is a should be a secondary thing. That should be an overflow thing. It shouldn't be what I pursue. Bottom line, the human heart wasn't made to be known and loved. It was made known and already loved. Now, that is a bit of uh, poetic license. It's, it doesn't mean that the first part isn't true. Yes, the human heart was made to be known and loved, but we have to understand what came first. It's kind of a chicken or egg conversation, a cart horse conversation. We were made known and already loved. Let that be your starting point. Don't live without that in mind because if so, then if you're like, oh, we were made to be known and loved, I got to find it, I got to seize it, I got to figure out where it is in my life. And we, that's how people hop from place to place. You know, we give a, a new place a couple months to meet our needs. And if it's, if, if it's not, we, we're, we're out of there. We hightail it. It's like whether it's church, whether it's work, whether it's um, relationships. I don't want to be that. I'd rather be anchored, strong. God is my strength. If things aren't working out initially, all right, God, what are you trying to teach me? Where can I encourage someone else today? Just, I don't want the, my needs to drive the narrative here. I want you, to, I desire you, Lord, to show me how I can pour in in a social context. So that's number three. Before I leave that point, let me just say this. This comes from Jeremiah 1 and Psalm 139. Going back to that bottom line, the human heart wasn't made to be known and loved. It was made known and already loved. This comes back to this truth that not only were we known before we were formed, but created for intimacy in a way only God could understand. That's why you, sometimes you'll hear me say, we were made for love by love with love. 1 Corinthians 14:2. the message Another good reference. Also, as the psalmist declares, is piggybacking off Psalm 139, specifically verses 13 through 16. It's interesting to note this, this combination, this fusion of passages. With David, oftentimes godly joy and godly sorrow would lead him to the same understanding. It's like a convergence from two different emotional places. Uh, it's, a, it's interesting when you fuse, for instance, Psalm 139.13 and Psalm 51.6. This is what you get. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, yet even there you desired faithfulness and taught me wisdom in that secret place. That's probably the champion, <laughs> the champion passage to this point. Her David, again, in Psalm 51, he was grieving, he was in remorse, it was godly sorrow. He was wrestling his way to repentance. And then on the other side, 139, he is smitten, taken with God. The, the holy happiness welling up within him, pointing back to his love by God identity. He grasped that. And if we're to learn anything about the man after God's own heart, it's how to center faith, hope, and love through the emotion of our worship as a lifestyle. Again, kind of previewing another post down the road. But I got to move on. Uh, so the last point, the last conviction of 2020, discern the whys and the ways of God. So especially since uh, I started writing this back in April, three months ago, so much has hit the fan, political unrest, 
you know, the police brutality riots. Uh, if you go back even further, you know, obviously the global epidemic was spiking in March. We had killer tornadoes locally in Nashville, March 2nd through 3rd. A lot of economic recession, social upheaval, <laughs> it, you know, especially in May and June. The narrative has been turbulent this year, so whoever said Stephen King has been writing 2020 couldn't have been more accurate. Yet despite that political and social unrest, there have been silver linings. Families coming together, spouses maturing in awareness of what the other brings to the table. Enterprise, liturgy, finding new creative ways to connect and serve. If you think about it, the list of positives is longer than you think. Turn on the news, turn on the radio, you'll get blasted with negatives and Sure, there are negatives out there. I'm not saying deny them, but think about the other side. Sometimes it's, it's good to start with gratitude. I just know for me, I've been wondering if part of God's plan for 2020 is to heal our land from the inside out, at least to start that process. I get why some might think God is wanting to make us more uncomfortable. And I've heard plenty of shake, not break sermons this year, but the way I see it, we shouldn't stop there because truth is, while God may be exposing our privileged mentalities and dependencies, his end goal is to perfect our hearts in the bindings of his love and draw us closer to glory. He's fine-tuning us. He's prepping us for new adventures. Some of us, we, you know, we may not view a job loss as a good thing in the moment, but, you know, God is, is, is pivoting us. He's repositioning us. I mean, it's like you have to consider how God is moving and working in your life. That's really the the point of this point, <laughs> discerning the whys and ways of God. If you felt the divine prunings and or sense the Spirit shaping your reliance lately, by all means, rejoice and receive God's work in your life. Don't waste time focusing on what you lack, new voids that have opened up, but rather in faith, inquire without expectation those ways and whys of God. As John 14 through 16 reminds us, those three chapters, to ask of him is not to be entitled, but to know you're entrusted. Even though you may feel pigeonholed in these times, don't forget, when driven in the corners of life, the only place to go is up. Why not start by looking in that direction and just know that God has you in the palm of his hand, that you still are on a journey. You know what they say about walking through fire, you don't stop. If you're not walking in fire, don't look for it. But if you are listening to this and you're walking in fire, by all means, don't give up. Keep going. Know that God is in it. And a couple bottom lines to this point. And I apologize if I sound scatterbrained, but these are just what surfaced as I was... I couldn't just boil this down to one clear bottom line. So in the post, you'll see bottom lines, four of them. Number one, know where your help and healing come from. Number two, pursue the bonus opportunities God is directing you to. Number three, embrace the burn as you yearn. The unseen in quarantine. A little bit of youth pastor in there as far as the rhyme scheme goes. And then the last point, the last bottom line is remember that God entrusts you with a bit of his extraordinary. That comes from Lana Christian. Love that line. This year has been a year of extraordinary occurrences. And extraordinary, not just, you know, all over the map, really. Good and bad, positive and negative. 
But when you talk about God's extraordinary, it is supernatural, it exceeds our understanding, and yet we have this message in our hearts, this word resonating within us. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be poured out. It's meant to be exchanged, to be given. God entrusts you. Don't forget that. Even when you feel weak, buried, persecuted, abandoned, whatever, you've got to start and believe that he is with you. He will never forsake you. And when you can wrap your mind and your hearts around those realities, then you can start to believe that he entrusts you. Sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves. Actually, oftentimes we have to come to a certain end of ourselves to get to that point where we see clearly at least a piece of what God is trying to show us. Oftentimes God speaks through breadcrumbs, through certain facets. He fashions us. And sometimes we see clearly just because of, not that our vision has improved spiritually, but because something that was blocking, impairing that vision is now out of the picture. It's why I love taking inventory in the context of repentance and why it's a big theme in these pods. As for verses that back these points up, John 16, verses 13 through 15, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will urge or rather, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Haggai 2, 5-7. through seven. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Certainly in this year, we have sensed the shaking, but there's a point to it. We have to have the right perspective. We have to weigh it and scale it correctly to really understand, all right, God, what needs to be shaken within me? And how do I respond so that I can be part of the foundation you're wanting to lay when you are prophesying into a situation, when you're declaring life into a situation, when you're using me in a student situation, I want to speak your steady, absolute life into the shaking that you're organically doing throughout the world, growing pains. It's almost like a burn in a workout. It's like something is being shaped and formed inside the fabric in the of the earth and I'm not trying to get off on a tangent here but I just think we have to understand that there is a proper way to view the shaking that there is a scale we don't have to necessarily compare it to what's happened before to get that perspective but like Haggai prophesies here the whole point is to not fear the whole point is God is at work he is shaking things up, but his glory is coming. The point is, do not fear, and he's going to fill, he's going to show us the roadmap to greater glory. So, thanks guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the holiday. You're on my heart. I know God has amazing things and plan in store for you, so hopefully some of these 
truths today, these convictions resonated within you. If you feel so inclined, leave a comment, a prayer request below. I'd love to pray for you, even from a distance. I wanted you to know that you're being interceded for, that God has your back. People behind the scenes you don't even know, they're praying for you, rooting for you. I am one of them. Like I always say, I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.